Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to a very special draft edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden, and joining this franchise is USC receiver Drake London. That's right. The Atlanta Falcons have selected a wide receiver at number eight, and that is Drake London, who was the number one wide receiver on on my draft board, as though that means a damn thing. It doesn't. But apparently he was also the number one wide receiver on the Falcons draft board because they had all options at the position available to them, and they decided to go with Drake London, who makes sense for a lot of reasons. I'm going to dig into all of that in today's podcast, and we're also going to talk a little bit about maybe why they didn't go uh, with edge or or defense in general. Honestly, at, at number eight, uh, we're going to talk about you know who they could target maybe on day two. That is, if they don't trade up back into the first round. If they do, uh, then there's going to be a second part uh, to this podcast that I'm currently not aware of. But no worries, <laughs> you will hear all of it. Uh, it just means a little bit of extra work. Uh, for me tonight, which is your tomorrow. Um, but no worries. We're going to dive into all of that. We're going to dive into what it means, all the repercussions, everything right after this. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Keep track of all of the latest sports developments, including NBA playoff odds, fighting bets, and even next season's futures. And don't forget, guys, Major League Baseball is back as well. Go Braves. So who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember guys, BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. So after a lot of talk about best player available, about, you know, where could the Falcons go? Because they had so many holes coming into this draft. You heard it here on this podcast. You heard it probably on a lot of the podcasts that you listen to. Definitely everything you've read, Twitter, all that stuff. A lot of holes for this team, guys. And really, they kind of couldn't go wrong any which way. I mean, even quarterback was on the board. So what are we talking about here? (laughs) There's not any one right or wrong move I think for the Falcons to make, it's all about, you know, why? Why did they make that move? And before we all have emotional reactions, before we all sit here and decide what kind of future that this player is going to have, which we don't know. If you had told me last year that Ade Ogundeji would be the probably second most impactful rookie out of that draft pick, that was a fifth round pick. There's no way that any of us thought coming out of that draft, that he was going to be, you know, clearly loved by this coaching staff, or at least really well respected for the way that he put in the work, for the way that he approached his business. And that's not anything that you're going to find on a mock draft. That's not anything that you're going to know just from watching clips on YouTube like I do. And and you're not going to know that unless you know the kid, unless you know the player, unless you're there with him on a day-to-day basis. Talk to his coaches, talk to his family, and that's all the work that these teams do. And so before we sit here and kind of rush to judgment because it's not the player that was mocked to us by many different experts or it's 
a player who was supposed to go a couple of picks later or whatever. Let's give the kid a chance because I think that Drake London is going to be a very good player in this league. For for a very good reason, he was kind of my number one receiver on on my board and everybody that I talked to, whether it was a, you know, an invitation to be on another podcast or talking to friends and family just kind of on the street. I always got the sense that Drake London, if the Falcons were going to go wide receiver, it would be Drake London. Why? Because Arthur Smith essentially kind of told us what he was looking for in a wide receiver later in the season when he explained we need to get more physical on the exterior at the skill positions. And I mean, he's pointing it out right there. They, they want to be able to marry this run game to the receiving game. And in order to do that, you need to have physically imposing wide receivers on the boundaries who can hold up adequately on run plays. And so there's a lot of talk about offensive linemen, you know, how offensive lines in these kind of play action heavy schemes, you make it a lot easier on them because your run sets and pass sets are supposed to kind of start out very similarly. If you're running a play action pass, what are you faking there? A run. So your receivers or your linemen are firing out of their stances. They're bringing it to the defensive linemen. The only thing is they can't go further down the field, but they know that and the defense does not. So you need wide receivers who can react in a very similar fashion, whether it be firing out of their stance, making a a defensive back think it's possibly a run before converting it to a route or at least giving them one moment's hesitation. And Drake London is going to come in right now. And I think he's the only receiver, maybe outside of Traylon Burks, who in this first round, that was kind of a surefire lock, really fits that prototypical X receiver position, which is your on-ball wide receiver. So they're the ones that are not going to be going in motion. They're usually the ones that are going to be facing more press coverage because they're right there at the line of scrimmage. The defenders can get their hands on them. So that's why you generally want a bigger, more physical receiver who is also athletic enough to be able to win in multiple ways because it's not enough just to have size. Size can be negated. Size can be mitigated by a defense. But Drake London has that combination of size, not necessarily speed in the sense that we think of it, but he has more than enough speed, guys, to be a downfield threat. It's just a slower building speed. He's a former basketball player and a former high-level basketball player. But where have we seen that succeed in the NFL? Uh, receiving positions. You know, usually it's tight end, but you've got guys like Tony Gonzalez, like Antonio Gates, these former basketball players, Jimmy Graham, who can high point the ball, which is what Drake London does better than anybody else in this class, has an insane catch radius. But what's a little bit different and more akin to, you know, your your Jimmy Graham's and maybe your Antonio Gates is, is Drake London is really, really mobile and good after the catch. He just has a sense and a feel of what to do with the ball in his hands. And that may not be just blowing by everybody and winning with speed like a Jamison Williams would, but the dude can run people over. He's got much more kind of shiftiness and nimbleness than you might think or give credit uh, to somebody who is his size, just kind of walking off the bus. But USC used him a lot on screens, on sweeps, on reverses. So he's got a well-rounded skill set at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, as a as a route runner, it's going to be a little bit interesting to see him and, and watch him develop that area of his game. He's not bad by any means, but his size does mean that, you know, it's going to take him a little bit longer to get in and out of breaks a little bit. He's got a little more ground to cover. It's just physics, right? Like more mass, more area to cover the speed that you're going. It's, it's multiplied. It's amplified. So 
he's he's going to need to develop in some aspects of his game. But the things that he does that you really can't teach uh, are what separates him, in my opinion. And it's why I always thought that the Falcons, if they were going to go with somebody like or with a receiver, it would be somebody like Drake London, because not only is he going to be a massive red zone threat, you now have kind of almost like the, the twin towers, the, the skyscrapers over here. Shout out Houston Rockets. Um, they, they've got both Drake London, who is 6'5", and Kyle Pitts, who, you know, right off the top of my head, I can't remember, but he's a tall guy. So <laughs> Marcus Mariota is going to have plenty of options. And, you know, with Drake London's basketball background, he knows how to box out. He knows how to present a target. He knows how to get up, get the ball, and rip it down. It's going to be an awesome ad- addition to, I think, an Atlanta team that's going to now probably struggle to move the ball a little bit more explosively. I'm curious to see how they do that, but they should be extremely efficient when they get the ball into scoring range. And I would expect Kyle Pitts' touchdown numbers to go way up from a one last year. And I would be very disappointed and surprised, frankly, if Drake London only finished with one touchdown uh, or less in his rookie season. So I, th- I think you're going to see the Falcons pass game at least be a little bit better in uh, adding points to the scoreboard. And a lot of that has to do now with just kind of the way that they can outsize out physical their opponents. Um, but as I mentioned, I mean, Drake London comes in here and he can be the number one wide receiver. I had some questions with guys like Garrett Wilson. You know, I, I think he can be a number one wide receiver in the in the way that like OBJ and Antonio Brown kind of became those number one wide receivers, Stephon Diggs, like that type of way. But it's a little bit more of a rarity. And again, those aren't necessarily your prototypical X wide receivers, which coaches still think in those terms. You know, they still kind of go by the old model, the old way of thinking, the, the old playbook. And Drake London is akin to your Mike Evanses to your Brandon Marshalls, you know, these guys who would often draw those double teams or at least demand a more challenging and physical uh, defensive matchup, which then allows you to kind of take advantage of some of the other situations or opportunities that may present themselves. So defenses are going to have a choice here. You know, how do you, who do you pay attention to? Is it Kyle Pitts or is it Drake London? And, you know, as for what this means uh, in, in terms of, are we gaining any sense of strategy for Terry Fontenot's, uh, you know, Rain as, as GM? Rain is a, is a strong word. I mean, he's not a feudal king over here. I guess tenure as GM would be more appropriate. And Arthur Smith's uh, turn as, as head coach. It's clear they, they do vi- uh, value size. It's clear they do value physicality. And yeah, it's looking like they kind of value the offensive side of the ball a little bit. <laughs> um, I, was, I was a very big proponent and I'm, I'm not going to apologize of, of going defense here at number eight. You know, I, I did Jermaine Johnson was on the board. I apologize. I called him Jeremiah Johnson on Twitter. I was just excited. You know, the, the picks. And I don't know if you guys were watching ESPN, but they said it 400 times. The picks were flying. They were coming in hot and heavy. So apologies to, uh, to Jermaine Jeremiah Johnson over there. But he was still on the board. And it's somebody seemingly reports were uh, that they were very interested in in. Jermaine Johnson and Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, smokescreen season, guys. Yeah, you can't necessarily uh, believe everything you hear or read. And that appears to be the case because the wide receiver conversation for Atlanta kind of ramped down a little bit. I think this week, the defensive side of the conversation kind of ramped up a little bit. 
and now you uh, you end up with an elite power forward at the wide receiver position. Um, so I, I really do like this pick. I'm kind of I'm joking a little bit here, but it addressed a need. It gives you at least now somebody outside of Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson to be afraid of on offense. It also feels like this is a little bit of an uh, of an acknowledgement that there is still work here to do. I I don't think Drake London. For as much as Jamar Chase did did for the Bengals last year, I don't think that Drake London is what suddenly turns Atlanta into a playoff contender. I mean, Julio Jones is a rookie, was a great piece. He didn't all of a sudden overnight become the Julio Jones uh, that you know we know and love. He showed a lot of flashes. He had a great rookie year, but it took a little bit of time for him to truly change. I think the trajectory of of that team, and even then, you know, he needed Matt Ryan's help. He he needed a, you know, a solid team around him. So. Drake London, like a lot of the players that I thought the Falcons would really benefit from drafting, is a piece of the puzzle. He's not the whole puzzle himself, and that's the way we need to be looking at it. He is a really good football player who the Falcons have now added to their roster. Hopefully they continue to add a lot of really good football players to this team, regardless of the position, because at the end of the day, you just need good football players everywhere. And that's kind of what it takes to win the Super Bowl. You need a really high floor. And you need players who are capable of hitting a ceiling that very few in this league can hit. And that's kind of the secret formula. I think Drake London comes in with a very high floor. We're going to find out where his ceiling is, uh, but I'm really excited to see exactly where that is. I'm really, I think he's going to be a really fun player to watch. And, and more than anything, that's kind of what I'm about right now. If this is going to be a little bit of a down year, at least he's going to be a player where when he's got the ball in his hands, you know, you perk up a little bit. You, you sit up in your seat. You pay attention, uh, and I think they're going to give the ball in his hands a whole heck of a lot. Um, and now it makes a little bit more sense with what they did at the other receiver positions. Auden Tate, Demir Bird, those are kind of their main guys. Alameda Zacchaeus. They don't match Drake London's physical profile, even though that's kind of what the Falcons said they wanted. Auden Tate, great blocker. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, they're, but they're not, they're not this. And now the Falcons have their, their guy, their Mike Evans, you know, somebody who can really physically stress a defense and allow some other players to really hone in on their skill sets, whether that be speed, whether that be route running, things of that uh, nature. And I, I think it's a great addition to this team. Um, you know, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit here because we're, we've yet to see what he will become. And he did miss, you know, a decent portion of his final college season. I think he's going to be uh, perfectly fine, certainly by the, by the start of training camp. but. It, everything that he did his last year at USC kind of speaks for itself. And it's why you should be excited um, to add Drake London. I mean, it just go flip on the Notre Dame game from this past year and you'll see why uh, fans, you know, should be really excited about adding this player. He was really kind of the only option for a USC offense that wasn't great. And he still dominated. He kicked ass. He had you know, almost 1,100 receiving yards in eight games last season. Uh, and, and so there's really not much more that, that you can ask for um, with that. Even with all of the defense paying attention to him, something that he will probably face here in Atlanta as well, he still managed to be very productive. And if he does that in Atlanta, and if he does that for, you know, the majority of his career, I, I think that we're going to be looking back on this pick uh, pretty fondly. I'm not saying he's going to be Julio Jones. I'm not even saying he's going to be Calvin Ridley, but he 
he could be, <laughs> you know, he's, he's that good. It's just time will tell a lot of us here in Atlanta don't watch the West coast. They don't watch pac 12, you know, haven't seen many USC games, but having watched a few, uh, you know, clips of, of Drake London, having watched a few of his games, I do really like him as a player. I, I think he's going to be a very good pro. I think he's got the right mental makeup. I think he's got the right skill sets. We have seen historically basketball players translate really, really well to the pro game. So I like his background. I like everything that he brings to the table. I like this pick. I like it for Atlanta. Let's now talk a little bit about what they didn't do. And that is, at least so far, address the defensive side of the ball. Now, they have four day two picks, um, two in the second round, two in the third round. In a lot of ways, that is going to define this draft for Atlanta. It's, it's not this number eight pick, even though we all, you know, that's the time that we all spent was talking about number eight. It's really going to be the four day two picks that ultimately, I think, makes or breaks this pit or this draft for Atlanta. And, you know, why is that? Well, a majority of kind of your rosters usually come from the second, third rounds. Uh, you know, it's where you're not necessarily going to get your necessarily big names, but you are going to get the guys who are maybe uh, great or good starters at, at kind of some maybe lesser known positions, guys who do develop a little bit, maybe really key depth pieces, rotational guys, but you expect them to be starters and you expect them to be good starters. And the Falcons need as many good starters as they can get. And that is where they're going to find it, where they're going to find their best value. The second and the third rounds. I wouldn't be shocked if they hammer defense. I certainly kind of hope they do. But that being said, I mean, I think anything really does remain on the table. There's still that quarterback question. Um, I, the run on quarterbacks, at least so far at the time of this recording and 936 on, on Thursday night has not yet happened. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if there's somebody there that they that they like and they just feel it's a better spot to take that type of player. You know, we'll we'll see if if some of these defensive players do slip. I'm a little bit uh, trepidatious about that happening. And so I have my concerns that maybe the Falcons won't be able to dress the defensive line in the way that I was hoping that they maybe would. But who knows? Maybe a Logan Hall is there. Maybe a Travis Jones is there. A Perry and Winfrey. These types of guys um, could be there. Maybe maybe a defensive end or two slips that they like. And this is where, as the draft kind of rolls along and we go into day two and that creeps along and then day three, that's where you really need to kind of listen to what the teams say. Listen to what Terry Fonda, what Arthur Smith say, because a lot of it is not necessarily about what the player does now. It's a lot of what they think the player can do in their scheme. It's so schemed based. That is so much of, of drafting and scouting, which is why it's really hard for a lot of fans to kind of know what's coming for a lot of people in the media, honestly, to know what's coming, because unless you know intimately the way that your scheme is designed, the mission of your scheme and what it is designed to do, you kind of don't necessarily 100% know how a player is going to fit into it or how a team is going to ask a player to fit into it. So on day two in the second and third round, it's going to be a lot about, all right, they picked this player. Why? What do they see and envision this player becoming and how does he help this team? What are the skill sets that he brings? And they could go every which way with these picks. I mean, it would not shock me if they take a guard or an offensive lineman and, and have a reason for why they want to add him. It would not shock me if they go defensive tackle or defensive end. It wouldn't shock me if they add a safety, even though I think that's maybe the deepest group they have on this roster right now. So every which way that the Falcons decide to go 
to me, it's less, all right, how does that player help them in 2022? Is this player the best player available, even though that's what they say? It's not necessarily the best player now. It's the player that they believe can ultimately be the best in their scheme with the right coaching. Once they get him in here, they get to work on him, that he has the right combination of natural skills, learned technique, and growth potential. And that's kind of the magic formula, everybody. I mean, it's not that complicated. It's just, yeah, you know, need comes into it, but can this guy help us win football games? And is he the right fit for what we do here, the things that we value? And does he have the right mental makeup to kind of buy into that and then extend that, extend it and improve upon it? It's just like every employer who wants to hire somebody, right? Are they a good culture fit? Check. You know, do they have the required experience? Check. Do they seem ambitious and like a generally good person? Cool. Check. We think that they are motivated to bring above and beyond ideas. They're innovated. All of that stuff. That's what everybody's looking for. And it's really no different here in the NFL. So those are the types of things when you hear Terry Fonda, when you hear Arthur Smith say, we're looking for the right guys to bring into this locker room, to bring into our system and our organization. That's kind of what they mean. They're looking for guys who have the right mental makeup, who have an attitude to get better, to compete. I think Drake London has that based on everything that I've read about him, based on the, you know, laying my own eyes on him. It seems like he is a competitor. He wants the ball in his hands. Um, he takes on the defenders. He's not afraid to lower his shoulder, initiate contact, all of that stuff. I understand exactly why the Falcons valued him. I would expect them to do the exact same for the rest of this draft. And so as you're sitting here kind of Looking at maybe day two, I will have a piece up uh, on the Valcolic tomorrow about their best, um, or I guess today, if you're listening on on Friday, about kind of the best day two prospects still remaining or what the Falcons could do on day two. I really think that they will go, uh, again, defense because they, they got kind of their their one guy. If they needed one one side of the ball, if they needed maybe a, a, a game changer or somebody to draw attention, I would argue that would still be defense. But you at least have people like A.J. Terrell, Deion Jones, Grady Jarrett still there. You know, you drafted Richie Grant last year. They still have high expectations for him. You've got some guys there. Who is Marcus Mariota throwing this ball to? And I think it may have been as simple as that. And so they, they went and they got a bona fide um, potential number one wide receiver in the NFL in Drake London. Now is when I think you maybe see them shotgun approach the defense. Let's get a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things, things that we find very valuable because Dean Pease constantly last year was saying, you know, I kind of want to do some different things. We just don't have the, the horses to get it done. And this is where maybe I think that they could spread out a lot of their investments, nail some, some picks in the defensive, uh, whether that be the secondary uh, the second level or the defensive front, they just need to add some impact players there because I think they already have weirdly. You know, it's kind of a, uh, a take I've been afraid to, to let loose, but I, I don't dislike some of the individual players on this Falcons defense. Part of the reason why I was so high on them taking Jordan Davis, uh, who I just saw went to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. So RIP pour one out. I continue to just for whatever reason, hate and also love everything that the Eagles do because they do the things that I wish my team would do. And then they're good. And, and then I hate them. Uh, so they took Jordan Davis. We didn't. But the reason why I thought a player like Jordan Davis 
could kind of unlock this defense is because I I do like some of the individual players that we have. They may not all be superstars to the level of AJ Terrell, but that's the reason AJ Terrell ascended in spite of everything around him is because he's a superstar. But you know what championship teams do is that they allow their good players to be great and their average players to be good because they not only kind of unlock and make things easier with their scheme, they have the great players surrounding them to kind of eat up all of the attention. They have such a high level of gravity in certain players that those around them have the space to operate. And that's what the Falcons have been missing. And that is kind of why I thought they might go after a a 1A type of defensive lineman, whether that be an edge rusher or a defensive tackle. Uh, And maybe they will. You know, maybe they believe that that type of caliber of player is still available in the second round. Maybe, as I said, they trade back up into the first round, in which case I'm going to be back on this microphone in like 20 minutes. Not going to be super thrilled about it because it's getting late. But hey, I'm here because I love you all. So that's what we're going to be doing. Um, but up until then, I mean, I think that's all I've got right now for the, for the first round. It's kind of hard to, to understand what their thinking is without hearing Terry Fonno and Arthur Smith talk. And, and they've not yet talked. I can say just got word from Ovi. Uh, it's all caps. It's a boo. Um, so he's not a big fan. <laughs> we will, uh, we'll have him on the podcast tomorrow. That's the, the plan as of now. And I'm sure he will be able to elaborate on that, uh, you know, very loud ghost like noise that, uh, that he texted to me and, you know, we'll, we'll probably get into a nice spirited debate, no pun intended over, uh, over that comment, because like I said, yeah, it, it's not the move I would have made, but I'm not trying to have an emotional reaction tonight. I'm, I'm trying to have a logical one. And logically, it fills maybe the number one need that they had. For some people, it was absolutely the number one need. For me, again, that, that's the pass rush. But this was the number two need in my book. And if they believe that taking the number one wide receiver on the board, as opposed to you know, the fourth defensive end, is, is what Jermaine Johnson would have been, then, then that's a calculus I can at least wrap my head around. I can understand. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what any of us think or say. <laughs> All that matters is what Drake London does when he gets out on the, there out on the field. And, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, it's, it's a crazy, crazy time for rookies. I've, I've interviewed a lot of them over the years. I've spoken to a lot of them after their first NFL seasons. And Drake London is in the midst of the longest year, two years, honestly, of his life. So we all deserve to give him the benefit of the doubt. We all deserve to root him on. Uh, he is the newest member of this team that we all have chosen to follow for better and for worse. And I think he's going to be a great addition, guys. So that's kind of where I'm going to leave you all. Uh, shorter podcast today, but it was a quick, rapid reaction to Atlanta's pick at number eight. Barring anything else happening in the first round, in which case uh, you will hear a transition sound coming up, and then I will get on right to uh, analysis of their second first round pick. But barring that happen, remember that tonight's podcast was presented by Bet Online. And everybody take care, and we will see you again tomorrow night with another podcast recapping their day two picks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E. 
AV on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.